Hi everybody, welcome to Fuel Radio. On the other line, on the line with me is Bosco Anthony. Hi Bosco. Hey Rod, how's it going? Great. All the way from Australia. Let me give you a quick let me give Bosco a quick introduction here. He's a digital marketing strategist and storyteller. He loves to share his insights on social media, context marketing, integrated marketing, and or sorry, and integrated marketing solutions. He's helped some big brands. And um, yeah, I'm really happy to have you here today. Thank you. Thanks again for, for joining me. Absolutely. I think this is the second time we've drived through the podcast world, but um, <clears throat> always, always have time for people that do good things and I'm happy to be here and it's 9 a.m. in Brisbane on Saturday so nice. I'm calling from I the know. future. <laughs> I know it's always such a strange thing to me. Um, I lived in the Philippines for about t for 10 months at one time and uh, yeah it was weird that you know you kind of live your day and other the, uh, people in, uh, in the other part of the world are just getting started or just you know waking up waking up or yeah it's it's so different yeah. And you're starting, so you're starting Saturday now. <laughs> yeah, Saturday is my production day in the morning. So I've been up since four. This is my fifth podcast for the day and, and the last one. So I'm uh, I'm just navigating from one digital Zoom room to another platform and just, you know, kind of going through the day. But uh, yeah. I'm, I'm happy about the questions and the topics we're talking about today. And, and this is this is a good way to end my podcast production day. Oh, good. Do you get zoomed out? Do you? A lot of people are talking about Zoom fatigue. Do you find you, that happens to you? Yeah, I mean, look, I I try to create a, a healthy balance, and I try to leave room between one uh, one Zoom call to another to take breaks, and you know, try to eat the right foods, drink the the right drinks, and stay hydrated as well. And you know, at the end of the day, we're human beings as well, so we've got to make sure that we're fueling ourselves to uh to to do what we do digitally so i i do get you know zoom fatigue sometimes as well but it really just comes down to what's the outcome and the desire and I'm, I'm really teaching people how to treat these meetings with intent as opposed to having these long drawn out meetings that you know carry on because some people are not respectful of time or not aware of time or conscious of time right so i'm a big fan of setting the tone and the agenda for the meeting and and um sticking to schedule are you getting tired about talking about covid or hearing about it <laughs> well i mean listen the you know this week's an interesting time um we're, we're past the the covid conversation we've got some other sensitive conversations going on right now the the world is yeah. uh, at a very sensitive period and so as a as a man of color this yeah. is a this is you know a lot of people have been you know coming to me wanting to to check in wanting to have conversations to further educate themselves and so I find myself you know having a lot more energy for compassion for for empathy and respect and and just trying to help people navigate through this you know there's a lot of people that haven't been part of this conversation at all you know their entire lives and you know Will Smith said it best racism has been going on for years and generations for hundreds of years the only reason why it's become you know a topic of conversation today is because we are recording the racism we're archiving it we're sharing it digitally and you know one video sparked outrage one yeah, video something, changed something happens it gets shared around the world yeah one video changed the landscape of it but this has been yeah. going on with respect and not just to one race like you know um, you know, my friends who are Jewish have, have had their own persecutions in Australia. Aboriginal people have had their own persecutions. I've, you know, ha encountered it uh, just after 9-11 when I moved to Canada as well. Yeah. So 
<clears throat> you know, hate comes in all forms and sizes and all and all different narratives. And I feel like this is a world right now going through a lot of narratives. It's not just one narrative. There's there's a bunch. And the reason why we're we're having all this heated debate and and arguments and uprisings is because there's a group of people that are either not acknowledging what's going on or deflecting what's really going on. And that's what's causing the, the outrage. But the bottom line is, is that conversations need to happen. They should have been happening a long time. And with respect to everybody on this fence, we're all going through this narrative in our own lens, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you have your own particular lens coming from, you came from somewhere now. Tanzania, East Africa, yeah, Tanzania, East Africa. Yeah, and uh, I was gonna ask you if you grew up here, but you it sounds like you were, how old were you when you came to Canada? I was, I just turned 19. I had to be here before my 19th birthday as part of my permanent residency. I had um, okay. <clears throat> moved with my parents and my sister. And so um, I had to be here, you know, before I became the con- uh, the age of consent. So I literally got here three hours before I turned 19th and I arrived officially on my 19th birthday. Yeah. But I came in at a time just after 9-11 and we had the embassy bombings pre- previous to that um, in Uganda, oh, sorry, in Tanzania and in Kenya, in Nairobi and Dar es Salaam. So, um, you know, I came at a time that was very, very tough for people like myself because, you know, if you spoke to any person that was Arabic or uh, had dark skin, you know, it was a a really heavy time for us because we were labeled a certain type of person just after the towers had fallen. And so, um, you know, I was, I'm a man of mixed ethnic roots. I have Portuguese, Irish, Indian roots, and I was born in Tanzania. So take your pick. I've got all kinds of different lenses that I'm going through at that point, and I'm going through my own cultural identity process. And then I come to a country uh, and I experience, you know, hate in a very different way. So, you know, what's happening right now triggers everybody, not just myself. And I also know that I may have encountered verbal racism, but someone out there has probably encountered far worse than myself. You know, they've encountered brutality and and physicality, which is a totally different uh, element. So, you know, I've got nothing but appreciation and understanding to what's going on um, and empathy and compassion. But at the same time, I also feel like I can't mute myself. I can't black out myself um, and stay silent on the matter. So, you know, I'm having the conversations. I, I wrote something personal because people were asking me how I felt. <clears throat> I shared it on social and, uh, you know, it basically came from the heart. And it, cool. you know, people read that and said, you know, they really appreciated the perspective that was put on play. Yeah, neat. I'll look that up and include it in our, in our show notes. What was your parents' story? Did they leave? I know in parts of Africa, the violence can be, can be pretty bad and there's all sorts of reasons for people wanting to leave Africa. I heard someone uh, who left South Africa, who left South Africa just last year because they just couldn't, it was just too, too violent in that particular country. I know it's different from country to country, but um, what, what was your parents' reason for, for coming to North America? Yeah. So look, <clears throat> you know, to say that Africa is a violent place is, is a misnomer and it's it's also a false perception because I have a lot of friends and roots that still live there and I have family that lives there as well. Um, Africa is, an, uh, is, is a mistaken identity. It's not a violent place. It has had violence uh, be part of its narrative. Um, and, and for many reasons, you know, I could, I could spend an entire episode to go over the landscape of, of, of Africa as a continent. But yeah. um, my parents, my father was born in Zanzibar, 
which is part of East Africa. And my father was born through a pre-colonial era. And so what that means is, is that Africa was divided on a map, you know, and different parts of Af Africa have different languages because of the colonial barter trade system, which was, you know, the Belgians, the French, the Portuguese, the, the British, the Germans that came in and said, okay, you're going to have this country, we're going to take that country. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some would question that Africa right now is being colonized by other countries where, you know, countries are being given loans that they default on and in re return, these countries are now taking Africa's natural resources. So, um, you know, this is not one narrative. And and to say that Africa, you know, came from a violent background is also uh, definitely an assumption. I think the narrative that we have and the roots of what's happening in the USA stemmed from Africa because of slavery. And, and you know, American slavery has been going on for over 300 plus years. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you take youth and a generation of young people and move them to a different continent and displace them, Yes, you're going to have problems in that continent, but think about the continent you've left behind. Think about the generations of people that have been wiped out because they have been taken out of their own you know, choice and being placed somewhere else. And that's what happened to Africa. The narrative for Africa is, is that we displaced communities, tribes, people, and then expected them to progress. And because they couldn't progress, colonial power came in and basically made it what they wanted it to be. And that's the roots of this identity problem. Mm -hmm. So there are multiple conversations, Ron, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to, uh, to share my perspective. Uh, but my parents, to go back to your question, my parents mm -hmm. wanted a better opportunity at the time for their kids. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why they chose to come here. My mom was a nurse. She had worked for multiple hospitals, done a lot of work charity-wise. Charity and, and my mom is the example for me for hard work. You know, she put on a white uniform and everybody called her Sister Mary. Um, and, and that's my definition of hard work and ethics yeah. um, and integrity. So, um, you know, that's why they chose to come there. But I can tell you right now, you know, I've talked to a lot of people in Africa, in, in Kenya and in Nigeria and in South Africa, and it's evolving so quickly, so rapidly. It's becoming a payment gateway. The entire continent is on mobile. Um, there's so much advancement in technology. I was born in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, and I see photos today and it looks like a modern day Dubai, you know, parts mm -hmm. of it. And I'm not saying that the problems don't exist. You know, I'm not saying that there's no corruption or violence, but mm -hmm. in that chaos is innovation. And that's what Af Africa is going through. It's going through a cosmetic uplift of innovation. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and now you find yourself in Australia. <laughs> yes, yes I'm, a, I'm a wandering nomad, as they say. <laughs> What what prompted that move? Was it was it a, a relationship? It, um, it was you know it was different things. It was it yeah. was my life evolving. It was um, you know business. It was my personal relationships. It was family evolving. Everything everything in my life was changing, and I wanted to live life by design. and And I had come to Australia a few times, and I I fell in love with this place. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know at the end of the day. I felt like my journey in North America, I'll always appreciate it. I still have business connections and friends there. And I'm not saying goodbye to Canada. I have a dual, you know, I'm working on a dual citizenship. Uh, but the point is, is that I, I've had been doing the things that I've been doing in Canada for quite some time and I needed a challenge. And um, I was fortunate that I didn't have any, you know, d attachments in Canada to, to, to worry about. So I liquidated my assets and, and, and chose to come on this path. Um, but, you know, 
life is unpredictable and uh, I, all I can do is rely on my, on my uh, immigrant roots. So the, the beauty about being an immigrant to Canada is it gives you a playbook. It gives you an understanding of how to immigrate to a country. So uh, I'm just going through the playbook again in a different continent and uh, trying to make sense of this chaotic world right now. <laughs> so um, you obviously have your skills, you have your business know-how, you have, you know, You've had success. <laughs> um, you've done some speaking. Like the last time we spoke, you you were fresh off your TEDx talk, I think it was. Yeah, I think I talked to you just after that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And um, so that's always an interesting um, journey for people. <laughs> I know for some people, it's just caused incredible success, really, and uh, gives them quite a bit of credibility and that sort of thing. What what was the TEDx experience like for you and, and what's happened since we spoke last? So, you know, I just celebrated four years of uh, my anniversary of speaking for TEDx Stanley Park. And um, I'm very grateful for the opportunity. I'm very um, thankful for that life event. But more importantly, I'm uh, riding the wave, the ripple effect. You know, we've got close to 700,000 views on youtube organically <clears throat> i haven't done any promotion or marketing i've leveraged it and i sent it to people and events but i've been able to build a speaking career pre-covid um <clears throat> you know in person and now through digital means to become an international speaker i've traveled around the world i've uh, part of my reason to move to australia came from the fact that i had done the tedx talk it opened up a lot of doors and you know a good analogy is it's the oscars for speakers and so you know like any other actor that's ever won an oscar a lot of opportunity that comes from from a tedx opportunity so um you know i've, I've been fortunate to leverage a speaker kit, the TEDx talk, you know, the digital content around it, and really build a mentoring practice, build a speaking practice, a consulting practice from it, and really just move around the world. And so, you know, prior to the pandemic, you know, it was seamless to get on a plane and move anywhere in the world and, and spread your message. And so I was fortunate to get a lot of paid speaking events and, and, and really start a consulting business from that and build a mentoring business from the practice. Um, and now we're adopting everything digitally because we have to. We are in a world right now that's, um, you know, moving into a digital format. And so there's been a lot of events that I've been involved with. But, you know, as a speaker, you have to go from a from a contextual stage presence to a digital presence. And so there's a little bit of uh, learning curves. And, you know, we've been kind of working through it as we go through it. It's different, isn't it? What, what have you found presenting online? Like, say you're a keynote <laughs> or a... Uh, doing a, a workshop or something like that online. What have you found to be the difference? You know, I it's a really good question. I mean, for me as a speaker, I thrive off people and the audience. And so, you know, I'm used to creating emotions and sentiments in my talks. If you've ever seen my talks, I'm, I'm creating laughter, humor, fear, inspiration, sadness. And so as a speaker, I thrive on that moving audience. I'm engaging on the audience. I don't know if you know this about the TEDx talk too. I changed the script 20 minutes before I went up on stage. Oh, and so, and so it was allowed. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I, it was allowed, but I had four different <laughs> coaches with four different uh, visions. Yeah. And I basically decided to uh, change the narrative a little bit to speak to my own voice. And so, you know, you need a live crowd for that. And so moving digitally, I prefer panels over keynotes myself right now digitally because, it, you know, you have that human conversation and echo as opposed to you just speaking 
in a silent vortex. It's the same thing with like, you know, TV presenters like Trevor Noah and all these other people. They're used to having audiences and live audiences and, and, and you know, part of our skill and practice comes from playing with the audience and, and you know, moving that emotion. And when you're on your own, you're basically stuck in a, in a, in a room and people are watching you, but you're on your own. And so how do you create that same energy? How do you, you know, come up with a similarity or mirror that same audience feeling? And that's the biggest challenge for a lot of speakers. Now, mm-hmm. I've learned how to engage with the digital audience to practice. You know, I've learned to make things more interactive. I've learned to have people chat on the side and kind of interact with the comments. But I long for the day when I can get back up on the stage again because you know, part of being a good speaker or part of being an, uh, an experienced speaker is, um, comes with, comes with, you know, wisdom. And I feel like having, you know, spread my message around the world, I've, I'm fortunate to have built on some of that wisdom. And, and I definitely crave going back on the stage. Mm-hmm. I haven't done the kind of speaking that you've done, but I can sure hear what you're saying. Like, I know that when I have spoken in the past, it's there's always a, that audience feedback that you get is irreplaceable. Like you, you know, and you and you definitely don't get it online. I did. I know when I first started doing some online webinars last year, it was just weird. It was so weird to just be talking and to not get any sort of feedback, like not verbally, not you know. Sometimes it, it's it, it's um, it's nice to see people texting or see some likes pop up or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a strange. It can be a really. It's a different beast, isn't it? And beast, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we're we're all trying to make sense of this, right? And uh, I'm I'm happy to say that, you know, all the experiences are lessons, good or bad. They're all lessons. And so, as a speaker, you need to evolve and you need to learn. And that's part of the process of being in business as well. Is is you know I've learned a lot about podcasting. I'm about to to launch a podcast myself, and um, oh, you know I've learned a lot about equipment. I've learned a lot about presentation. I've learned about voice training, and and I'm still learning. And that's the cool thing is I get to meet some people who have been doing this for a while, even before COVID became the fashion trend. And I'm learning from a lot of different people, and um, and taking those skill sets, and then trying to present and become an effective storyteller through a different medium. Right on. Yeah, it looks like you got a good mic there. You got some good headphones. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about quality and sound, right? <laughs> on Streamyard, this platform we're on, we weren't able to get you a nice background, which you wanted to do. But that's <laughs> I'm sure we'll figure it out for future presentations. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I think you and I have so much uh, experience and topics we can talk about. You know, I'm sure we can <laughs> we can do another podcast episode. I know the last one went really well with a lot of people too. Yeah, good. Well, I know you. Know, I I'm. Uh, I'm with you on like the the things we're learning right now. Like in some ways, people keep saying we're not going back to the old way. Like, and a big part of that is a lot of people experiencing that they can do it. You know, like um, my dad is in in his late seventies, and my dad's always been an early adopter. But you know, um, he's not the best example. But I work with this one old organization. I do some fundraising for them, and they're all kind of an older it's an older group, you know? And at first it was like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? But gradually they've learned over time by giving it a try and experiencing it that all this online stuff it isn't so bad after all. I think when when people didn't have to use it, when it became a necessity, mm-hmm. uh, the people who were open to it got on board 
and 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 found that it was actually wasn't that bad and and that things can be done this way and that sometimes it's even quite effective um my family meets every sunday morning or now we're meeting every other sunday morning but we've had some incredible conversations that we probably wouldn't have had if we were getting together in person you know because it was so so concentrated the kids aren't running around and all that kind of stuff how's it been working with or maybe what's some of the advice that you have for businesses uh currently and and maybe even looking into your crystal ball going forward um you know what what are we learning and what advice can you give to the to some businesses i've i've observed that you know we're in an era of meaningful connection like you know, and I look back now, you know, when we had the digital cell phone era, you know, we were always busy. That was our default answer. I'm always, you know, busy, 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 busy. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> having moved to a, to a new country, um, you know, my heart and, and sometimes my, my life is still in Canada sometimes. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying to start a new life and at the same time, you know, call my parents, my nephew, my sister, and maintain that connection. And so from a personal level, technology has been a blessing and it's made us appreciate the art of meaningful connection. Mm-hmm. And so my parents... I, like I just want to stop you there. I just like that yeah. thing so much. We're yeah. in an era of meaningful connection. I like We that. are an era in the meaningful connection. And, and, yeah. and so, you know, my parents have um, really embraced technology because of that. And it makes my mom miss me less because I get to talk to her via video. And, and you know, in her era, she had to write a letter or send a postcard. So it's a whole <laughs> different ball game for my parents. Yeah. Um, and for my nephew, he has me on iMessage. And so we're like sending pictures to each other. Uh, you know, my, my, my nephew is Mar- his name's Marco and he calls himself a chef and he wants to create a YouTube channel. And so he's always sending me his recipes and, you know, his yeah. cooking, cooking lessons. And so, you know, we found a way to make it work digitally as best as we can. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm really happy and fortunate to have a family that supported me in this transition and this move. So I miss them dearly. Uh, you know, they're, they're a strong part of my DNA, but at the same time, we've relied on technology to, to maneuver those feelings of feeling, you know, like you're missing a bit of family. And, and that's really been a blessing in disguise. That said, from a business perspective, um, you know, here's, here's the reality of it. You know, I, as a corporate consultant, I would go and have conversations with leaders and, you know, I'd say, listen, we need to look at a remote workforce. We need to look at a digital workforce. And I always get this, you know, answer like, oh, it's going to take two years to do. It's a three-year plan. Well, guess (laughs) what? All it took was an invisible pandemic for you to move your entire workforce in three days. Yeah. So what does that tell you? That tells you that at the end of the day, necessity is the mother of innovation. Mm Mm-hmm. And so in business, necessity is the mother of an innovation and how you run it. And so we're now forced to think about the conversations that we wouldn't normally have. We would deflect and push away and not, you know, take things for granted. And now it's basically thought us we need to communicate better. We need to communicate differently. Uh, we need to be able to uh, design our conversations with purpose um, and also timing, you know, like here's a great example. I'm about to go on a podcast this week on, you know, my Wednesday, North America's Tuesday. And Tuesday happens to be Blackout Tuesday, where the world is deciding to go on mute. The world's yeah. deciding to go on uh, silence and recognize a movement of, of global uprising by, by supporting the black tiles. Yeah. And so I'm here going, okay, I've got a podcast in two days everything has to change and everything has to come from a meaningful context because, you know, in, we live in a world of backlash. 
And so then I've got my phone blowing up with people asking me how I'm doing, what am I going through, and wanting to have conversations with me. So, you know, you have to adapt and there's no right or wrong. You're just trying to navigate through this. And so I call my mentor and my mentor's advice was go with your purpose. And thankfully, we have purpose and values to navigate us through difficult times. And these are the, you know, the key levers to making business decisions. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, the lessons for the future is now more than ever before, it's so important to align your message. It's so important to align your purpose and values. Um, and it's so important to respect the sensitivity of the world yeah. while you're trying to communicate your message, while you're trying to get yourself digitally recognized. And so it's a fine balance and no one's figured it out. We're all trying to figure it out together. Yeah. It's so interesting, hey? Like, um, at times you see big brands have really made some big mistakes, you know, or celebrities or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Stockwell Day, who's a Canadian politician, you know, he said something just a little bit off, and uh, he, you know, he he was having to resign from from a couple big boards at you know some some of Canada's largest uh, companies, you know, uh -huh. so. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a super interesting time. the The last person I had an interview with, um, Jim McNeish, uh, you know, he just he just talked about your, what's your intention. If your intention is is aligned, and you 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 know you're at very if you're passionate about what's going on and and your message is true to what you who you are, then you know go for it. Um, I don't know about yeah. you, but like you. So, you know, how are you maneuvering that next week? Because um, right. I, I felt like on Tuesday, I didn't really know what was going on. And my daughter, who does some social media right. posting for me, wrote me and said, thank goodness she's in touch with what's going on. I probably wouldn't have caught on till about one o'clock in the afternoon. But she yeah. said, Dad, it's it's Blackout Tuesday. What do you think? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not put anything out there. But um, and then but even sort of even the rest of the week, even up until till today, um, I'm still feeling like I'm walking on pins and needles. I don't, I'm conscious yeah. about talking about business or promoting anything or so how you are you know, maneuvering that next week? Um, you know, here's the thing, right? I mean, we, do I feel passionate about this subject? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But everybody knows, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a, in a career and a state in my career where, you know, I don't have to hustle as hard as I used to when I was younger because I've worked very hard at building my brand. And the people that are my clients, the people that are my fans and followers don't follow me because I'm promotional. You know, that that's not how business should work. If there's a need for your service, people will come to you and people will work with you. Um, I think I think people appreciate individuality and originality and voice and the power of a voice. And so this week and next week and, you know, in the coming weeks, I'm going to continue having this conversation. And, you know, I, I go listen to podcasts and some of these people, you know, it's all about how they want to help people and how great they are and how great their service are. It's not about that, you know, and I think I think common sense can tell you that right now we're at an age right now where, you know, we are all trying to survive. We're all trying to recognize our businesses. But that's not what giving is giving is about having normal conversations you know you and i having these interactions and sharing our experiences and going back to our intent and, and i totally agree with your previous guest that 
you know, the intent for me to be on this podcast isn't to self-promote myself. And I think you've interviewed many guests to know the difference between a self-promoter <laughs> and someone that has some some meaningful content. And so for me, I go back to the meaningful connection. I go back to the meaningful content mm-hmm. and, and, and also being respective in my message. I was still able to navigate my podcast schedule and, and still talk about what was going on in my week. But at the same time, recognizing my content and sharing it with people because people wanted to feel safe. My tribe wanted to know that they could have these conversations with me and feel safe. And for me, as a man of color, I see past color. And so I say to people, you know, that we were friends before this became highlighted. We were friends uh, beyond borders and countries. And I'm fortunate to live in so many different countries and keep my friendships. And, you know, my friends are from all walks of life, all different ages. I can talk to an 80-year-old person and and talk to a 15-year-old person and an 8-year-old kid and a 20-year-old person. And it goes beyond our DNA. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for me, the advice that I have for everybody is become a better listener to then have a better message. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's really one of the powerful messages I think that's coming out of this past week is just, you know, it goes back to Stephen Covey's old saying, you know, seek first to understand, you know, don't yeah. don't assume that you understand, you know, and it's kind of taken me a whole week to just think about white privilege and, and how, you know, the advantages that I have as a white person, like it didn't, at first it it didn't really it hasn't really sunk in with me up until I think the last couple of weeks that the advantages that, that I have had um, I watched a I watched my wife and I watched a, a documentary on OJ Simpson a couple of years ago and the penny really dropped with me at that time just what black people in the United States have gone through you know and 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 then it, it was I, I actually cried during the it wasn't an emotional deal, but it just hit me like, oh yeah, like the plight of the black person in the U.S. is totally different compared to what my life experience has been, you know? And when they let, quote unquote, let O.J. Simpson off, it was an all black jury, I got it. I understood why they would want to do it. It was like a protest <laughs> vote, you know? And uh, yeah. so, go ahead, you're about to say something. I, I, actually, I kind of wanted to ask you a question. Like, yeah. so you being a person of color, Tell me maybe my blind spot and what I don't see. Um, you know, not only have I had, not only am I white living in North America, but I grew up with a silver spoon in my mouth. So I've got like double whammy, you know, like I didn't have to, I didn't have to worry about paying for university, all kinds of stuff, right? So, well, look, I, I can tell you this confidently that people who don't have those privileges envy the ones that do. We, you know, imagine a world if everybody lived a privileged society. Um, I don't judge anyone for having those privileges or having a different, you know, backdrop from what my backdrop was, because at the end of the day, we're all defined by our upbringings. And so while my upbringing might have had challenges that might have been completely different from your challenges, it's shaped who we are today. Mm -hmm. Now, I can tell you two things that I've observed talking to you is number one, you're willing to learn and you're willing to, to you know, your, your foundational roots is learn and inquire, which is, you know, a very good value to have. And for you to say, you know, I've had these privileges and I recognize that other people don't have it. That's part of that conversation. So people would definitely respect the fact that, you know, you're able to articulate that. 
But I can also tell you from the other side of the lens that we are in a world right now that is hurting. Mm. And we're in a world right now that is tired. And we're in a world right now that is trying to make sense of all of this. And we're seeking acknowledgement. I can tell you what doesn't work. What doesn't work is deflecting. What doesn't work is pretending that the situation isn't happening. What doesn't work is when leaders chastise these, these movements and, and contradicts them and tries to devalue them. That doesn't work. You know? and, and, and I can tell you safely that no matter what side of the fence you are, violence doesn't work in any shape or form. Mm -hmm. And so I look to history um, to, to try to help me navigate through these moments in time. And Nelson Mandela said this best. If you take out the color, you take out everything else, Nelson's words were, we're not designed to hate. We're not brought into this world to hate. I was born as a baby, you were born as a baby, and you know what? Chances are we were hungry, we wanted love, but we never really wanted to hate anyone. So our foundational roots is what impacts our viewpoints and our align points. And so as a parent, it's your responsibility to make sure that your legacy turns out to be all right. As a business owner, it's the same feeling. As a person, it's the same feeling. And this goes beyond just one you know, race. Like in Australia, there's a lot of sensitivity culturally right now to the indigenous people mm -hmm. with every right you know, as well. And I was talking to another friend of mine who's Jewish and her family comes from the era of the world war. Mm -hmm. Who am I to say that that prejudice is, is you know, less than what's happening in the US. I don't I can't, you know, I've got my own forms of hate that I've had to go through and navigate through as well. So, you know, I think that my lens is is this. I respect everybody's opinion. I respect everybody's, you know, um stance on this and trying to figure this out. But in order for us to proceed and in order for us to move as a group is we've got to do better. And it goes beyond violence. It goes beyond, uh, you know, it, it requires leaders to step up. It requires us to, to talk about, you know, diversity and universal diversity and embracing culture and progressive societies. And it requires everybody to show up, not deflect. So I can tell you comfortably where we are right now isn't solving it. Uh, but also some of the things that are happening right now is the step in the right direction. Hmm. I appreciate you having this conversation. I hope that's okay. Like this wasn't necessarily <laughs> things, things changed since the time we were discussing what we were going to talk about. We were going to talk about business and COVID-19 and kind of all very kind of, uh, safe in a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, is, and that's okay. I mean, at the end current, of the day, this is current. This is current. This is and, uh, so we've been going to business to personal we've been going going all over all over the it map. would be insensitive and completely meaningless if we didn't have this conversation you know and I, i'm I think, so glad we are i mean i think if yeah if we had had this our covid conversation i would have this would have ended and i would have gone all oh, that well that was i'm not sure that that was the conversation that i wanted to have so no and yeah. and rod you know i i think kudos to you for being brave enough to to go down this path. Many people are, are worried. And, and, you know, I can tell you what I've told my friends. That safe place that I've had with my friends, it exists. It existed before this. It existed after this. And uh, I don't have any, you know, form of 
uh, anger to the people wanting to be part of this conversation, to the people that want to learn how they can do better. And it's it's the little things, you know, it's not just, you know, putting a profile picture and supporting a movement. It's, you know, if you have kids, teaching your kids that it's okay to have different diversity as friends, you know, my parents had birthday parties where all walks of life um, came together, you know, we're to, let's talk about a history lesson here. Um, so I have Portuguese roots, I was raised Catholic. And at Christmas time, my parents made Portuguese sweets, and we took these sweets to different families and different houses. And some families didn't eat beef or didn't eat pork. So we were ethical in the cooking, and we told them, like, there's no, you know, there's, there's, the dietary restrictions have all been, you know, upheld. And uh, it was my way to learn about different cultures. Now, my best friend is Muslim. I'm Catholic. And there's two different religions that got together and played soccer every evening. Uh, you know, we grew up, went to school together. We had private tuitions together. We, we lived life. And I can tell you confidently that living in Tanzania, in East Africa, during chaotic times, that it did make a difference what race, what religion, we all got along. And if kids can do that at such a young age, imagine what tomorrow's generation is going to look like. Imagine what your kids are going to be able to do if we can embrace diversity at a young age. And so as a parent, as someone that's thinking about forward thinking, it's not just about today's policy or future policy. It's about the little things that start at home and making sure that the foundations of home is accepting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of my kids. <laughs> it sounds like it. I mean, the fact that she's paying attention to the trends and reaching out and going, hey, dad, I don't think today's a good idea to post this. That yeah. that says a lot of insight. So, you know, kudos to you as well and, and for being part of the conversation. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm thinking another thought I'm having, just wondering your opinion on this is, um, I mean, you've done business at, at quite a high level. Um, you seem to be, you're a little bit younger than me. Like, I'm just wondering where the leadership's going to come from. Like, I don't have a lot of confidence that the people currently in power, I actually have no confidence <laughs> that the people That's current, right. currently in power will, will figure this out or, or help to make some, make changes. I, there's some vo younger voices that I'm really, really impressed with. And um, there's some, people that I'm following on Instagram and and they've really helped educate me this week in what's what's going on like what's what's your view as far as that is concerned where's where's the leadership going to come from you know yeah. what leadership comes from everybody leadership comes from lessons leadership comes from history leadership comes from forward thinking design thinking critical ideology and it's not just political you know and I, and I feel like we are now living in an era where transparency is our weapon and transparency is our 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 medium of choice and so you know you can't you can't navigate through sensitive times with a pr speech anymore you know you can't recognize leadership by going and saying everything's going to be okay or you know you can't get away with coming up with concepts about you know shooting is a solution to looting like you know that doesn't prompt peace that doesn't prompt um navigation yeah. you know that's a big difference yeah. and so for me i would say that what really helped me is and give me faith in humanity is this a few weeks ago before the current events i was invited by um, a lady by the name of vicky mcleod to join a, a global think tank group 
I know Vicky. Of sense makers, right? And Vicky and I spoke at social media camp and she said, Bosco, I feel like your voice would really add to this initiative and your diverse background and your youth and your knowledge would really complement what we're trying to do. And so, you know, basically the the Grey Swan Guild is a movement of think tank sense makers that have come together from all walks of life in different parts of the world, like, you know, Brazil, Asia, Australia, Canada, Europe, Africa. And we have given our points of views based on questions. And we're talking about bigger topics. We're talking about the sustainability of humanity, economic sustainability. We're talking about basic human rights. We're talking about accessible education, universal income, and and how we can progress as a society so that we don't have the upper classes and this massive gap between upper classes and lower classes. And right away, I, I felt like I was living my purpose in life because I was part of this initiative that was having a bigger conversation. It wasn't left wing or right wing. It was how do we raise our wings? It wasn't black or white. It was all colors. It was inclusive. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to make some really cool connections, some amazing friends, some people I really respect. But, you know, the concept was surround yourself with smarter people in the room. And so everybody who is smart isn't intimidated by this. We're all feeding off each other's intellectual uh, thought processes and we're fueling it and we're having meaningful conversations and we're so close to producing this document, this publication. And so, you know, it's going to be 200 pages long and we're going to take this to the world and we're going to say, hey, here's an open forum for thoughts. Join us, be part of this, spread the word. And there's no political agenda. There's no religious agenda. There's no agenda other than how can we make humanity better? And let's have a thought provoking process. But in this entire experience, I've learned two things. Number one is knowledge is power. It's not guns. It's not uniforms. It's not governments. It's knowledge. And the second is you can do so much more with empathy, respect, and compassion. And so do I have faith in the future? Yes. Do I have faith in youth? Absolutely. Do I feel like the world is designed for success? Absolutely. But change must come with that. How we pick our leaders, how we change policy, how we vote. You know, Canada is one of the countries that doesn't have high percentages of of voter turnout. Same thing with the U.S. So is it an education issue? Is it a democratic uh, right that's not being exercised? Do people not believe in the choices? Let's fix that. Let's review that. Let's review policy. You know, and if we're going to make a choice to pick a leader, let's give them the power to lead. You know, let's hold them accountable. And it's not just one leader; it's everywhere. So, it's not a it's not a one step fix all. I think this is a tale of multiple narratives, and so we have to look at it from multiple lenses. Excellent. Well, good stuff, Anthony. I know we are all over the map, so I just want to do sort of a broad question sure well no let's let's do this i i'm i love it that you're starting a podcast podcasting is obviously one of my passions and i i help people start podcasts and and promote them so why don't you why don't you finish up but why don't we finish up by just talking a little bit about your podcast what are you gonna what are you focusing on and yeah what do you hope to talk about so almost like my speaking career the first thing i did was i went and listened to speakers and I listened to good speakers, terrible speakers. I just absorbed. 
And I'm booked for about 45 to 52 different podcasts this year that I'm a guest speaker on. And I've had my fair share of good conversations, questionable podcasts. And I realized that as a business person, there's a lot of people that have one narrative, one viewpoint, and it's all about spray and pray, as they call it. You know, I've heard, and I'm sure as you being a host, I'm sure you've had guests before that have come in and you've sat there as an interviewer and went, I can't wait for this to end, you know? And so you can, you can see that in responses. And as a host, I realized that there's a lot of podcasts, but very few have meaningful, authentic conversations that are intellectually stimulating and um, thought provoking. So I have, fortunately, I've built a tribe of people that come from all lenses that have amazing critical viewpoints, and I'm constantly expanding on that tribe. And so the name of the podcast is going to be called the One Tribe Podcast, and it's going to be designed around life alignment and having conversations, empowering conversations to promote life alignment and a a sustainable uh, peace for us in the future. And, And the potential of this is to leave a legacy that's meaningful. So, you know, the the concept goes beyond business and marketing and, you know, all this other jazz of social media, because th- those are just elements, you know, they're just uh, things that we do and channels we work through. But it's, it's, you know, it's about talking about the hard conversations. It's about talking about meaningful conversations where when you get off that conversation, you go, that meant something that that gave me a different perspective that gave me a different lens. And so, you know, we've been working on the branding and I've taken my time to, to, you know, really be careful about how to produce this and everything else. And, you know, there's been a lot of amazing people that want to be on the podcast. And so, um, you know, I'm going to be taking the next few weeks to get the logistical steps in order and, uh, and start. And like many people, it's about uh, embracing diversity. I love it. You're speaking my language. <laughs> there you go. Sure we, let's make sure we stay in touch. Absolutely, Rod. Absolutely. And I really appreciate you having me and allowing me to, to have this platform to converse about things that I'm passionate about, but also explore things that you might not be comfortable with, which I don't think you intended to do, but we ended up going down that path and it seemed to be pretty, pretty rewarding. Oh, I appreciate you going off off topic, so to speak, and and having just kind of a free range conversation. It it almost it did it felt impossible to do anything else today, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's refreshing to do that sometimes as well as to go off script. Yeah, excellent. So, if you want to get in touch with Bosco, uh, you can check out. You got a great website, by the way. I really like what you've done here. Uh, Thank you. We're updating it as well. That's going to all change because I I don't have hair anymore. Uh, (laughs) So I have a new look and I've lost a little bit of weight. But uh, yes, everything is Bosco Anthony. So if you want to connect with me socially, it's at Bosco Anthony and all the big platforms. And our website is BoscoAnthony.com. Right. Is your tagline going to be continuing? Is it going to continue to be empowering digital brands? Is that the focus? That is the purpose. Yeah, that is the focus of my business. We've updated the values a little bit, but uh, the purpose has still been the same. We're we're evolving, but our purpose is still the same. Everything we do is about empowering digital brands and people in general. Okay. Well, maybe in the future when it feels right, we can talk a little bit more about that. I, I would love to hear more about disrupting disruptive storytelling <laughs> rebellious thinking i think i'm a bit of a rebel at heart for sure <laughs> so purposeful relationships Absolutely. all sounds like good topics we'll have to we'll have to check in again in a few months and see where things are at or maybe six months or so yeah yeah until our paths are aligned i wish you i wish you well and thank you for having me yeah thanks for taking the time take care 
All right. Just, take care, Matt. Stay safe. Yeah. Just hang on while I end the live broadcast and then we can say goodbye. Goodbye yep. to all our viewers. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Bye.